0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily Live as tonight? Well, I don't know. We're, we're talking about the Cardinals still because that's what we do here on this channel. But I tell you what, it's getting bleak. It feels bad. It looks bad. It is bad. It sounds bad. Everything's bad. And the life is sort of uh, leaving this team slowly but ever so surely as uh, the Cardinals, well, they lost again today. And this wasn't like a lot of these one-run losses that we've seen from the Cardinals in recent weeks. I believe coming into today, they were 4-11 and in their last 15 games, I want to say. might have to double-check that. But it was like seven of the 11 losses came by one run. And I don't know if you're a glass-half-full or a glass-half-empty kind of person, but the deal with that is as, okay, somebody did a Super Chat thing and I didn't even know what it was. See, this is uh, absolutely brand new to me. Anthony chiming in, just wanted to give you your first super chat, bro. Been telling you you set it up. Glad you did. Support by bro B Shave, hardworking guy. Went from being the worst homer take guy to one of the best. Wow, what a what a journey over a couple of months. Thanks, Anthony, for that. And if somebody else put something like that up there, and I totally didn't even know I was supposed to click on it, so I apologize uh, for messing that up. I'm I'm off to a roaring start with YouTube. Um, whoever that was, I'll have to I'll have to do a, a tremendous apology. But anyway. Um, Yes, this Cardinals team, I forget even what my train of thought was. It's brutal right now. It's brutal out here. If you're an Olivia Rodrigo fan, that's uh, exactly kind of what it is. And now I don't even know how to make the super chat leave the screen. What do you do? I am such a novice. I want to put it up there, but I also want to make sure I'm getting to everybody else's chats here in a minute. But we'll talk for a minute about the, the way things went tonight. I mean, Jack Flaherty ends up regressing considerably from where he had been for this Cardinals team. Um, about five six starts in a row, he had been nails, and then tonight he just lost it. Fastball command wasn't there. He was very uh, very mild mannered after the game, relative to some of the post games we've seen from him, and that was not a surprise because he got his talking done on the field tonight, folks. And it sparked what was a benches clearing situation between the the Cardinals and Giants. And if you were hoping that the post game scenarios and and in, in front of the lockers and talking to the players would have gleaned any additional information about. What actually happened and what went down in those situations? Well, we we don't really know because Jack Flaherty basically said, just playing the game. And then somebody else asked him about it, and he said, just playing the game. And then he said, that's all you're going to get from me on this. So we have no idea from the player's perspective, but we can speculate a little bit and look into it. And I guess we'll start there because that's probably of some interest to Cardinals fans who are watching. You might have forgot that it happened, by the way, because it was hours and hours ago. This game lasted three hours and 17 minutes, I believe, was the official time of game. And the the problem with that is that... Uh, oh, man, I deleted the message? Why did that even... Gosh, dang it. I don't even know what I'm doing. Anthony, apologies. I can't get it off my screen. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't mean to do anything to, to mess that up. You guys got to teach me how to YouTube, for real. Um, but nevertheless... The Jack Flaherty situation, Lamont Wade Jr. was the runner on second base. And he is, like, I guess kind of toying with Jack Flaherty, pretending like he's going to go steal third. At first, I thought maybe it was something to do with stealing signs. Actually, at first, I thought Jack Flaherty was just yelling at himself. Uh, Mike B., thank you for the uh, the super chat there. Best of luck from Lake St. Louis. It's where I grew up. I went to Wentzville Hold High School. So uh, I've got all the love for Lake St. Louis. Appreciate you, Mike. Um, Anyway, um, guys, it is hilarious. I think I'm finally figuring this out. Hold on. It was the Grave of Einstein that did the other chat. Good day, Shafe. Wasn't that good a day for the cars, but hey, buy a slinky with the five or something and drown the sorrows. Uh, appreciate you, Einstein. Uh, has been a huge supporter of the channel. And so I'm, I'm figuring this thing out slowly but surely, guys. You guys are probably cracking up in the comments about this super chat thing, but um the, the Flaherty situation with Lamont Wade was a little bit weird. At first, I thought he was yelling at himself. Like, he had struck out Tyro Estrada, and I that was the first time I noticed him kind of, as I watched the, back on the broadcast, saying something to himself or to somebody. And, no, now YouTube is trying to tell me, <laughs> you guys are getting the front row seat. YouTube is saying, hey, now this would be a good time to insert an ad. No, I'm just getting going. I'm not <laughs> inserting an ad right now. Uh, this is hilarious. I'm such a novice at this. But anyway, we're getting to Jack Flaherty. I thought he was just trying to hype himself up. Like, you dummy, why didn't you strike him out quicker? That's a very Jack Flaherty type of thing to do. Uh, But then you could tell, and if you go back even further into that Tyro Estrada at bat, it was the top of the fourth inning. You could tell that he was miffed at something that was going on behind him. And he kept turning back. He kept saying things, kept gesturing toward Lamont Wade Jr. at second base. And kind of watching it back, he's dancing a little bit. He's not doing a a ton, but I think it was kind of the scenario where it's like, hey, if you're going to fake like you're going to go to third, after the strikeout, I think Jack told him basically, just go then. Just go if you're going to go. And it was clearly on some level getting to him. And then they get a little dinker to the right side to uh, to end the inning. And as both guys are walking off, they don't show it on the broadcast very much. They they showed it after coming back from break. But Flaherty is basically still mouthing and yelling over toward the Giants' side of the field. And I guess Contreras ends up – like, he's the first guy I saw in real time – that was kind of in the middle of all of this. I think Contreras was a little closer to the Giants' side, so he probably starts barking a little bit, and then everything all hell kind of breaks loose. Everybody rushes onto the field. You get the bullpens coming in, which I think what the bullpens should do, it's hilarious, it's always a good joke when the bullpens jump in. I think John Brebbia was maybe the first guy over the rail for the Giants. Uh, We remember Giovanni Gallegos with his infamous jump over the railing uh, a couple of years ago last year, whenever that was, for a benches clearing, bullpen-clearing brawl, which these brawls that we call brawls are actually never really brawls. They just kind of walk out there, and rarely do you actually see a punch thrown or anything that's going to get somebody suspended. And tonight you didn't see anything that was going to get somebody suspended but genuinely, it is always so funny when the bullpens run out there. I think they should have like a big LARPing kind of jousting stick that they have to carry and uh, and at least kind of add some theatrics to it. But the bullpens made their way over. I saw Contreras. I saw Giants coaches holding Lamont Wade Jr. back. He was still barking and trying to give a piece of his mind to the Cardinals side. And then I did see Paul Goldschmidt. I noticed him kind of in the middle of the fray. I think trying to allow cooler heads to prevail. So there's a little leadership there. I mean, not surprising to see Wilson Contreras getting excited about something in that regard. And a lot of people would say, oh, good. Finally, the Cardinals are showing a little bit of life because I've seen a lot of your comments about how they feel. They feel and look lifeless lately, and they absolutely do. I couldn't agree more with it with what we've seen over the past couple of weeks from this Cardinals team. It's inexplicable because they're more talented than this. I have insisted it all year long, and that's why I'm a little bit irritated at this point because they're making me look like a moron because I've had some optimism and faith that this team was about to turn things around. At this point, I'm, I'm off that train. Like, I can't in good conscience sit here and go, guys, are probably going to turn things around. It's going to be fine. There's a lot of talent on this team. There is a lot of talent on this team, but it's inexplicable how bad they're playing. They're just playing terrible, terrible baseball right now, and the record is what it is. What are they, 14 games below 500. That's what they were when it was 10 and 24, when they were the, the the lowest of the lows in the season. Well, they're basically back to that point. It's a better winning percentage. But remember the 12 of 16 or whatever streak they rattled off at one point in time? That was great. It's basically been completely erased. They have played essentially 500 baseball since the lowest point of their season when they were 10 and 24. They've been a 500 team. It's come in ebbs and flows. Again, they had a winning kind of run there for... A little while where they won a dozen games in a three-week span or whatever it was, it's completely gone. They've erased it with this uh, most recent losing skid, and like the people on the scene, the, this baseball team are still the same guys. Offensively, if you go through that lineup, don't look at the numbers, but just think about what do I know about these players historically. You think that's a pretty good lineup, top to bottom. I, I said if this team is not a type five, top five offense in MLB by the end of the season, they're going to lose eighty-five to ninety games. Well, they're continuing to move in the wrong direction in terms of their offensive production. They score three runs tonight. Technically, they go three for 10 with runners in scoring position, but somehow in the first inning when they scored two runs, they didn't have a run scoring hit. Like, they didn't have an RBI hit with runners in scoring position in that inning. They scored on an error, and I guess that's not true because eventually Paul Goldschmidt's error was changed to a hit or the error on the infielder was was changed to a hit for Goldie, and so I take I take back that original statement. But the other run scores on a, a double play broken up by, I think it was Carlson. Uh, full disclosure, during that first inning, I was still walking into the ballpark. He, I say there was a huge wreck on I-70 today going toward uh, St. Louis from the, uh, from the St. Charles County area, but I, got, I don't even know if it was huge because by the time I got through it, there was literally not even a car there anymore, so I don't know what happened, but after my radio show that I do on KTGR, I was driving down to the ballpark, and I sat on the highway for about 20 minutes Uh, during the top of the first inning. So that was fun. But nevertheless, the Cardinals, like, you can say, well, he got a couple of hits with runners in scoring position. He had the bases loaded in the first inning. Nobody out, I'm pretty sure that was, and they scored two runs. It's getting to the point where it is a self-fulfilling prophecy with this Cardinals offense. And the offense was supposed to be the thing that carries the team. You're going to have some bad days. As a starting pitcher, Jack Flaherty had a bad day, uh, and it was miserable to watch. It took forever. Like, if you're going to lose 11-3, to can you at least do it in a tidy 245? Does it have to be three hours and 17 minutes? We knew that game was over by the middle of the fifth inning, and yet it took 317. It was absolutely a brutal watch. It felt—I say it felt different, but it felt the same. Like, it felt different in that at least it wasn't one of those one-run, oh, heartbreaker, lose-it-at-the-end kind of games. Like, they've had plenty of those recently. But they've also had games like this. Jack Flaherty started one of them. It was the game against the Angels in the uh, early portion of May. I think May 4th there or around. This is just, it's what they've been. And we're going to continue to say, hey, they're talented. They've got talent on the roster. They do. They do. They are fundamentally flawed in some ways right now. And some of them we can see. Some of the ways we cannot see. And that is what I think is the most concerning about this entire thing. Because I don't know that there is a fix of Cardinals fans want to fire the manager. And I get the thread of, they're not playing with emotion. They're not playing with the passion that they need to. I don't see it coming out on the field in terms of their execution. That's off as well. Like anybody watching this team has has a lot of things to say about it in a negative way, and they're right. I mean, it's it's just looking brutal right now. But I don't know that firing the manager fixes that, and I don't think it's a case where they're not playing for Ollie or they don't want to win for Ollie. I think they like Ollie Marmel. If you look at the Tyler O'Neill thing and that's your like smoking gun for the teams turned on Ollie, give me a break. You know, Tyler O'Neill did at least come out and, and, and got to kind of explain some of what's been going on with his health issues, and I wish the best for Tyler O'Neill to make it back. But if you're the Cardinals, I don't think Tyler O'Neill is the beating heart of this clubhouse. You know, he hasn't really been around. And so I don't think that's, like, I would get that out of your mind if that's your smoking gun. I don't I don't think it matches up with what's happening in reality, right? And to hear Ollie Marmel tonight, I'm sure, and I haven't checked Twitter to know what people are saying. I'll get to your comments here momentarily, but this felt like kind of a ranty night to kick off the show, Ollie Marble tonight in the post game first of all, it was longer than last night, which lasted about the time of a commercial break for a between innings situation in the Rob Manfred era. It's like two minutes and thirteen seconds on my recorder. Tonight was a little longer than that uh it took a little bit for him to get in there and I'm kind of nervously watching the door like I well, is Ollie coming in here tonight? he did, and uh, I think it was Derek that even asked like hey you you looked like you had some emotion coming in here is there anything you know anything to share?" he said, no, not really. Um, But it was clear as he got to talking a little bit that there were some conversations happening. He said guiding a a group of guys through a tough situation right now was kind of the way he viewed the way he had spent his last 15, 20 minutes after the game ended. Talking to different guys, he said he got a chance to talk with Contreras, a guy who cares so much and is playing so terribly poorly. I mean, he went to a 190-some-odd average tonight. Um, I, I don't believe he he got that back up above the Mendoza line later on in the game. We'll scroll down, and you can see the Cardinals lineup here on your screen as I uh, learned how to use this, this thing. We'll let you see the totals at the bottom, too. But then, unfortunately, you can't see what the totals are. Yeah, there we go. And let me check on Contreras. Yeah, no, did not end up with a hit, so he's at 198 for the night, three strikeouts. He will not be in the lineup tomorrow. You can bet on that. Um, it'll be Kisner behind the plate, which is not like indicative of anything other than it's a day game after a night game. And that's typically what you end up doing in those situations. Like Goldschmidt. I thought he took great at bats tonight, two hits the opposite way. Brendan Donovan has been taking some of the best at bats on this team. The last week, week and a half. It's finally starting to show up a little bit in the box score. Got on base a couple of times tonight. Arenado has been taking great at bats. Nolan Gorman has not been taking good at bats. He homered a couple days ago, whatever that was, um, he did draw a walk tonight. That was a, that was a gutsy walk in the first inning. I'll be honest about that to work a deep count and got it done, but a couple more strikeouts to young three strikeouts, uh, Jordan Walker taking some decent at bats. Like in Carlson, man, I'm not even, I know Carlson's maybe like, Oh, for his last 10 or 11. I do not mind the at bats still in Carlson's taking, I'd move him up in the order. I'd move Jordan Walker up in the order and I'd keep Donovan right up there at the top and he'd play every day for me. Like, you just got to start rewarding the guys that are getting it done because there aren't very many of them at this point for the St. Louis Cardinals. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Paul DeYoung, you know, he I, I, I just don't think he can continue to play every day. And I think the Cardinals have to come off this idea that Tommy Edman has got to be their center fielder. First of all, Tommy Edmond won for four tonight, and I love Tommy Edman. I think he is a freaking really good baseball player. I think he's a valuable baseball player to a winning baseball team. And and he's somebody that I would that I would continue to bet on. However, the numbers offensively haven't really been there recently anyway. But just maybe throw him back at shortstop where you said coming into the season he was going to be. That's, that's option number one. You cannot continue to have Paul DeYoung playing every day. He plays a fine defensive shortstop. I don't think he's better. If he is, it's not tangibly so than Tommy Edmond defensively at short. And I think at some point, and maybe that doesn't happen until Lars Newpark comes back, right? Maybe that's why they are like, listen, Jordan Walker's going to be in the outfield. We got to do it. We just don't have a choice. We got to have some speed in center field. That's fine. But here's what I would do. I would put Tommy Eben back at shortstop on a on a pretty regular basis. I would play, I would play it maybe differently against lefties because that might still be the t- the, the opportunity for Paul DeYoung to to get going offensively. I still think he might have a matchup advantage there. You could pick your spots with him, but you don't have to play him every day. That's kind of the shakeup that I would that I would consider first and foremost. Um, and Dylan Carlson's back in center field. And you might say, well, do they have enough with Dylan Carlson's speed? He's not maybe quite as fast as Edmund. Can they cover the deficiencies of Walker and left? No. But here's how you cover those deficiencies. He's your DH. And they probably won't do this. But Jordan Walker's not cut out at this point to be an outfielder defensively in the big leagues. He can be someday. He's a good athlete, but they they asked him 10 and a half months ago to learn to play the outfield. His bat is major league ready. His defense in the outfield is not. I get it. You've got Nolan Gorman, and so you don't know. Maybe Nolan Gorman doesn't play some days. I'm not saying it should be every day, and I would still have him playing more than not because I think they have to let Nolan Gorman work his way through this rut. It's an opportunity that he was not afforded last year when he got into a similar situation. He rode the bench for a long, long time. Albert Pujols was here. That was kind of the reason it broke down that way. But I would love to see Nolan Gorman get to ride through it. So what do you have to do then? You got to make some decisions about second base. Nolan Gorman would be my second baseman. Get him involved in the game. Maybe it's too much for him. Young player, having to go through growing growing pains, I don't know. But I would put him at second base, and I would put Brandon Donovan in left field. Left field for Donovan, center field for Carlson, and then you can kind of play around with what uh, right field looks like. Or put Walker in right field because... To my eye, he is more of a deficiency in, in left field than he is in right field. I would much prefer him playing right field, but I guess the—I I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they've got this this idea that Tommy Evans got to play center, even though prior to a week ago, he never played center. So, riddle me that. I can't figure it out. But that's what I would do. And lineup-wise, Wilson Contreras will not play tomorrow in my lineup, and then the next day, he'd be batting seventh. And he'd be batting seventh moving forward. You'd have Jordan Walker batting fifth, and Carlson, I think, is fine to, to be batting sixth. And that would be kind of the way I would go about it. And when Lars Newpark comes back, I would consider going back to the Neupahr-Donovan in whichever order you prefer at the top of the lineup, and I might bump guys down a little bit. I, I like the the idea of having a lefty like Gorman in between Goldschmidt and Ardano, but I also don't know if it's sustainable if he's going to slump for a prolonged period of time. Maybe you bunch the two studs back together, let them go back-to-back back again, which is how they began the season, and so they would be three and four, Behind, yes, two lefties, which is not ideal, but it worked for a decent amount of time last year. They got to they got to get table setters up at the top, and then they got to get back to having boppers in the middle. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Walker is an uncomfortable 3-4-5, given that it's all righties, and so you could attack that easily. I get the Cardinals have tried to avoid that. But maybe all the things the Cardinals have tried to do or tried to avoid, maybe those things aren't worth doing anymore because look at where it's gotten them. So, I don't know. The bullpen was terrible tonight, but that's, I mean... It's not a surprise. Uh, well, I mean, I guess a little bit to see Cabrera be as bad as he was. But for everybody that was like, "Hey, I mean, how are they going to, how are they going to Chris Stratton and and, and Andre Palante instead of Cabrera last night?" Well, you saw what he what he did tonight. Gave up two bombs, made it eight two, nine two, just like that. It, I they they just don't have the bullpen where it needs to be. And losing Ryan Helsley was like taking that little toothpick out, and the whole thing comes crumbling down. Uh, Woodford was just in there to try to fill some innings and he, you know, was, was mediocre. And, uh, we saw Drew Verhagen for the first time in a few days. So there you go. That was your bullpen. Flaherty was bad. There was a stretch there and I want to say it was the third inning. I guess I can find this out real quick. Yeah. They scored a run in the third. I'm pretty sure the stretch was like walk, hit, hit, hit by pitch, walk for five batters in a row. And somehow they only scored one run. Arenado made a great tag on the throw from Walker, which was off base, offline. Walker's learning the outfield. I can't pin it on Jordan Walker, these problems with this team, but it all is part of the puzzle that does not fit together. And so here's another thing. If you don't want to play, if you don't if you don't want to move Tommy Edman out of center field, that's fine. It, it'll get to the point to me where you just go ahead and call up Mason win. You just do it. You call him up and you say, it doesn't really matter what you hit because nobody's hitting. Let's stabilize this defense because he might be the best. I think he is probably the best defensive shortstop in the organization and maybe one of the better ones in the, in the league. He might, he might sail some throws like what Mason wind could come up and he could sail a few throws because he's overamped. But I mean, it's going to get to the point this season where it would be better to learn that about him now and just get that out of your system. Or he might just be nails. What would it be like if he was just nails and could help stabilize the defense? Not to say that Paulie D doesn't play a fine shortstop. It's not the reason that he should be out of the lineup on, on many occasions, um, it's, it's his offense, but I, they got to do something, but it's like, well, you want to fire the manager? Okay, go ahead. The guy that would be firing the manager who I haven't seen since mid April. Now, granted, I'm not at all these games. Uh, I'm not at the pregames because of the radio show that I do, but I don't believe he's done like a full scale scrum talking to the local media since like mid April talking about John Mosaylock. Um, he's given inter- interviews and you've seen Q and A's he's, he's made himself available to some different writers, but it's unusual for him to not have a. Like typically in the past, it's like the first game of every home stand. You would you would end up getting kind of an update on injuries and just a general state of the state of the team from Mo. And it, it just there hasn't been that this year, and it's not it's not difficult to see why. But my whole thing is, if you want to say fire Ollie, that's fine. Like I don't know if Bally put up the post game from Ollie tonight. They did. They didn't last night. Um, it was so short. So you know maybe that was why. But if they put it up. Check it out. Let me know what you think. As a Cardinal fan, you probably say, oh, I'm hearing too much of this happy talk, and I'm hearing a guy who cares, who knows that his team's hurting and that he cares as well. Um, do you do you love all his strategic stuff? Maybe not. I think a lot of what he does bullpen-wise is fine. But when you see a two-day stretch like this where basically his whole bullpen threw except for Gallegos because they weren't leading ever in a ninth inning or a, or a late situation, and you see all those guys throw, and damn near all of them give up runs don't give me this. It's Ollie Marmal. Like I just can't, I can't do it anymore with the bullpen management complaints. He doesn't have relievers that, that are right now going out and getting the job done for him. He's got who he's got to fit and put into different various roles for this, for this relief core. And a lot of times they're just falling a little bit short and collectively it's not panning out. I don't think the whole bullpen is terrible Again, I think last night's guys that kind of let him down, Palante with that really tough walk in the seventh that led to the soft contact. And Cardinals fans hate hearing about the soft contact, but it was the walk that ends up leading to the run scored in that inning. Chris Stratton, I talked to him last night, and if you listened to b Shafe Daily last night, I aired the audio. But he talks about, I don't want to give in to Bailey in the 11-pitch at bat where he beats me for a double on a nice swing and and not even a hard hit ball, but just into into a gap. It happens. But because of that, then one more soft contact swing, bang, next thing you know, it's another run and you're down 4-3. So he doesn't want to give in to the walk. You see what happens. Palante does give in on the walk. You see what happens. They're snake bit, but those are two guys that have done a nice job for the Cardinals this season. I mean, ERA around 3.9, 4.0, that's not great, but it's fine for middle relief. But if those guys are suddenly the, you know the go-to 7th and 8th inning guys in your bullpen— You've got a bullpen construction thing going on that I would that I would say is more the problem than the guy that's calling out there and saying, hey, put this guy in the game next. It's not Ollie Marmel in that case to me. What Ollie Marble does have to find a way to do is manage these people and manage these personalities and manage these disappointed egos or 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 human beings, you could even just say, because right now they're all they're all frustrated and they should be. They're playing poorly. But that's the part that Ollie's gotta show that he hasn't had to show yet. And I don't know if he's got that part in him. A lot of people, when Cardinals fans would say, oh, he's too young to, how could he, he's never won anything. How could you know? I was just like, whatever. The dude's a really smart baseball guy, and I still believe he is. Now he's got to show the personable side of that to his team and and get it out of them and onto the field. And that is difficult when I just don't think, while there's talent there, some of the talent is a little misplaced. Some of it's being asked to play out of position. There's a lot going on that it's a tough ask of Ali Marmor right now to do it. So do I think that the guy that decided to fire the last winning manager who Mike Schilt did a nice job, bring this guy in who I also do have faith in to be able to uh, to, to manage, now he's going through a very difficult spell and one that he never envisioned would probably happen in Ollie Marmel. Is it a situation where that guy that, that made all those decisions though and insisted this was the way forward for this organization, that guy should get to fire another manager and hire a new one? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm looking at the roster construction. I'm looking at the fact that you've got a, a third baseman playing left field, which, again, it's it is what it is. You don't want Paul Goldsmith off this team. You don't want Arnato off this team. Jordan Walker's got to go somewhere. All right, well, maybe he plays the DH spot then. Well, what about Gorman? Well, I think he's done a decent enough job at second. Throw him there. You, Donovan can go in. Like, this is the, the, the thought process that's got to be happening for this team, and it's not a comfortable one because there are a lot of Quality baseball players that don't necessarily fit with the rest of the quality baseball players when you stack them up one through nine. But Ali Marble didn't decide on those skill sets of those guys. Sometimes the job of, a, of an executive is to do the hard thing in the offseason and go, this player's really good, but I think I'm going to use a little foresight here and go, we might run into a little bit of a logjam problem at the same position, and, and we could end up being a little short at others. We're going to have to trade this guy. And at the time, if fans say, boo, you suck, didn't want to see that guy go, that's also maybe part of the job. And I feel like Mo has gotten into a spot where it's more comfortable to just kind of not make the bold move because you can at least fall back on, well, how could we could have known? Do you really want us to trade Brendan Donovan? Do you really want us to trade Tommy Edmond? Like, those are good ball players, And he'd be right. But at the end of the day, th- this team, the way it was constructed to me, is it's it doesn't all fit together. And you're seeing it play out. And those guys in there are really talented, but it's like they don't really know why. Individually, they can't describe or explain what the hell is going on. They're losing so much baseball right now, and they're doing it in ways that happened like tonight where it wasn't even close, and they're doing it in in just excruciating ways day after day. They've been getting better at the starting rotation before today, but then they have that outing. So I've ranted for long enough. I'm going to jump right now into your comments, guys, but like this stream if you'd be so kind. Uh, The super chat function is on. A few of you have used it. Appreciative to those who did. Uh, But let's get the likes up to 30 or 40 or so. Um, We've got a lot of people in here relative to where we are sometimes. If you're new to this, subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer channel on YouTube, which will allow you to join the live chat. We'd love to have you on board. We do a lot of Cardinals content. It's pretty much a daily video, whether it's uh, just the audio of the podcast, Be Shaved Daily, or we do a live stream like we're doing tonight. You can pretty much count on this being the place to be all season long for uh, fresh Cardinals content and insight about the team. So we'd love to have you subscribe and get on board. Uh, we've made the YouTube partner program and we're excited about that as well. Um, Spotify, follow it on Spotify and Apple podcasts too. If you want to just listen to an audio version of B shaped daily and just like that, it jumps up by five likes. You guys are awesome. All right. Comment time. Paul's watching at work tonight. Allison says, I don't remember the Cardinals being this bad in my lifetime. I've really quite paid uh, close attention to, just listening to stay updated. Yeah, it's hard to pay close attention right now if you value your health. I mean, really. Somebody last night said, uh, Brendan, why do we keep watching this? And I retweeted it. And I, I felt like I was it kind of sounded, it kind of came off, maybe kind of rude, but I meant it in like a comical way. I retweeted it and said, I can't speak for you guys. I'm doing it because it's my job. <laughs> like it's my it's my job to to watch this team every night and then talk about it and write about it. So uh for everybody else, there are fun hobbies to take up in the summer. I recommend disc golf um you can play real golf but that costs a little bit more um you go to the pool you can go to go to the lake uh go for a jog go for a hike i mean there's a lot to do outdoors uh we've been getting some nice weather so maybe that's maybe the way you play it um but yep i appreciate you guys though for not doing that because then you probably wouldn't be here uh listening to me rant on about this baseball team i mean they're the worst team in the nl the, uh, the athletics are surging. I It it doesn't even seem ridiculous at this point to think that the Cardinals could end up as bad as them. Although, I'm, I don't believe that's actually going to happen. But I named the stream. Is there any hope left for the Cardinals? I, here's what I would say. When you lose the beer vendors, you know it's bad. And this this actually happened tonight in front of the the press box at Bush. One of the beer vendors, within earshot, I don't even know where they were, but within earshot, they, they came up with a new tagline for how to sell their beer. I don't know if anybody else at the ballpark tonight heard this, but... He basically said, uh, you know, you drink some of my beer and it'll make you think that uh, that Moe's doing a good job as a GM. Okay. Wow. And then there was another dude in, like, the top of the ninth, way over to the right, who was yelling, uh, trying to start a chant of, like, Moe's got to go or something like that. And then there was another guy who was trying to tell him that wasn't very nice to say. I mean, there it, it was absolutely off the rails tonight at Bush. And, uh, yeah, that's the kind of game that it was, too. So, Let's jump right back into the comments, though, but Allison's comment reminding me about how just bad it is in, in her lifetime. It, you know, I'm 28, turning 29 years old in a couple of weeks, uh, grew up around Cardinal baseball. The Matheny years I covered, and I covered the end, and it was bad, but this somehow feels worse because at the time, I think the opinions of that a lot of people held about Matheny, and I'm not just talking about fans because I think fans thinking about Marble now, too, is that he just can't coach a fundamental team and manage a fundamental st- style of baseball, but, like, Matheny really felt like he just did not have his grasp on that clubhouse, and I don't think it's the same thing with Ollie Marble in terms of the respect level of the players. I don't think they're behind closed doors throwing him under the bus. It was happening with Matheny players, like it was. And so that's maybe the difference, but that's what makes it feel worse because they're playing worse than they ever did under Matheny. I mean, they were, like, a few games under 500, and it was like, you know, DEFCON won. They are 14 games below 500 with a... a, a a better collection of talent, I think, at least offensively, than they had back then. So it's brutal. Uh, Tim says the description says it all. Great summary. Yeah. The uh, is there any hope? Let me know in the comments. Let me know if there's hope. Um, I I had been kind of giving you guys my percentages. I was doing this on the radio show too of what I thought the chances were to win the Central if you're the Cardinals, and I was like eighty percent. Even like when they got it to about four and a half games, I think I was eighty percent. I was like, all right, the run has happened. And then they went out to Cincinnati and Cleveland. It was kind of like, all right, this is getting a little bit weird. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And then they just completely have fallen off the map. And the excuse at first was, well, it's the end of a 19 games in 19 days. They're really tired. Okay, fine. And then they just never remembered how to hit again. (laughs) Like, it's that. it's almost that simple. And then the bullpen falters. Like, again, they don't have enough of an edge in any area to overcome the deficiencies of all the other things that are going wrong right now. Then you lose your closer to injury. Like, think about this. Cardinals have been moderately healthy on the pitching side this year. They haven't lost many key guys at all in terms of, like, top arms and uh, in rotation or or leverage guys in the bullpen. And then you lose Helsley, and now it's like, oh, yeah, we're really seeing this thing uh, careen off the path at this point. It's brutal. Tim says, not much hope. Try my best, though. Uh, Visual tedium says shout outs to will be three. Um, what's going on, everybody? Jesse, we need to cook says As someone in their 20s. I cannot comprehend any of this. The Cardinals are never bad. That's why I said, Cardinals fans, you don't even know if you're a, a Cardinals fan in your 20s. You don't even know what you don't know about what it would be like to go through like a legit rebuild. Like you've never seen it. I've never seen it. I'm 28 years old about to be 29. Like, yeah, it's it's a problem. <laughs> Anthony's back in. He's a great supporter, says the team sucks booty crumbs. Oh, boy. The roster construction of this team never made sense to start the year. Does the model change in the offseason, B-Shape? The model needs to change. The In mo- honest-to-goodness, it needs to change before the offseason because there is an opportunity at this trade deadline, regardless of what the record of the team is, to make a difference and to, to get it a little bit closer to where it needs to be. Even if this year's a lost cause, which I'm not ready to say, but when I mentioned that 80%, I was like 50% they'll win the division. Nah, right now, I'll put it at about like 15%. And that's only because there's five teams in the division. And so it would be about 20% chance for each. But I'm even a little lower than that. Like I, Until they win a game, I'm a moron if I put it above 20%. That's how I feel right now. I feel hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray. I think that's a Stephen A. Smith line at one point. It shouldn't be happening this way. But Anthony... The model absolutely needs to change. And and that is something that you're going to hear a lot about, I think, if we ever hear from Mo again, you know. But it, I can think back to winter warm-up, and, and I think it was Derek Gould that kind of challenged it to say, you know, you've talked about your model being tested. Is the model passing the test? And he kind of wavered and so, said, well, I don't really look at it as a pass-fail. Well, sure, <laughs> it's failing, so it'd be, you know, I wouldn't want to look at it as a pass-fail either when I know the grade is a, an F in front of it. Uh, and sometimes it's not just the letter F. It's like a, a word that's four letters and it starts with F. The model of the Cardinals is kind of hard to kind of wrap your head around a little bit too, isn't it? Where they have made some good trades, right? But those trades, you can identify it and go, well, Arenado was asking to be in St. Louis. You know, was basically begging to be in St. Louis and, and be made a Cardinal. And he made it known he didn't want to be with the Rockies anymore. And the Rockies like, we don't want your contract anymore, so this works great. We don't even care who we get for you because we're run like a really terrible organization. And so they got gifted Nolan Arenado. It's like you're playing Pokemon and you find a a, a wild Nolan Arenado in the grass and you you just catch him. It's like that's unbelievable. Paul Goldschmidt really was kind of the same thing. You look at what they gave up. It was nothing. It amounted to nothing. No offense to Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly like those guys, but they didn't they didn't pan out for the Diamondbacks. They got two cornerstone players just kind of dropped into their laps and then you know, player development, they've had some good players come out of the draft. They've had guys like Brennan Donovan and Tommy Edman kind of emerge from, as later picks. Lars Neupar wasn't a super early pick. Like, they've had some some guys pan out development-wise. Um, you know, they've had some top picks that, have, uh, that are seemingly going to pan out, like Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker has uh, arrived. We think Mason Wynn's got a nice future. Notice none of those guys are pitchers, though. And so, like, I think the Cardinals' model, even though the rotation's kind of coming around a little bit, The Cardinals model has not figured out in recent years, pitching development and how to field the rotation, because you can look at this and go trade for a pitcher or better yet. You got to sign some pitching. They never spend any money on their pitch. Look at their pitching staff. Adam Wainwright, 17 million Jordan Montgomery over 10 mil Flaherty. I was surprised he only made what he made in, in arbitration. But, uh, but I don't, I just don't think he wanted to go to ARB after kind of a a rough season last year. He's making six, seven mil, whatever it is. Um, Who else you got? Steven Matz was in the rotation to begin the season, 11 mil. And uh, Michaelis, they just extended. They're paying their entire rotation. All of them. They're paying all of them. And I don't think it automatically works. You know what works? It's kind of like a quarterback in the NFL. It's not a perfect comparison. But a quarterback in the NFL or a goaltender in the NHL, if you have a, a young stud at a position like that, that you don't have to pay, especially works in the NFL, you can add payroll around that guy and have have that guy be your you know your relatively more affordable player, your cornerstone, but then you can add around effectively because you're like, "Oh, for right now we don't got to pay this other guy." And so we can really bolster our team and make a super team out of this. That's what the Cardinals need to try to find a way to do with their rotation. And their model has not figured it out. It's just been patchwork, piecemeal, patchwork, piecemeal. Every deadline you're talking about adding an arm or two because they haven't been able to figure it out. And I think that boils down to, if you're always looking for pitching in, in free agency and you know, they've made a couple of nice trades. I thought adding Montgomery for Bader made sense. They, they had 10 outfielders who were the exact same guy. And so Bader was one of them and he's the one that's the free agents, the soonest. And so you go, all right, trade him for a pitcher. Great. And Monty's been okay. But like, they got to develop some of these guys and they just, the guys that have come through just have not Dakota Hudson, you know, Jack Flaherty is to the end of that development at this point, And, you know, be safe preaching the gospel. I literally always say they didn't give up anything to get Nolan, uh, Goldie and Nolan. They never built around them. And that's what I'm saying, Anthony. And like from a pitching perspective, the way you would build around guys like that is by having, you know, a, a pitcher on a rookie deal. And they just, they don't. Who is it? Well, they're hoping it might be Matt Libertor. They're hoping that maybe Matt or Michael McGreevy, Gordon Grisefo, could come along. I don't know if we see those guys in 2023. Mo brought up both their names, Grosefo and McGreevy, at winter warm up. It was Walker, Graceffo, and McGreevy. Normally, the things Mo says at winter warm-up, you, you pay attention to because it's kind of an implication that, hey, this guy could be here sooner than later, and those two pitchers were named. Now, McGreevy, I think, has been doing a pretty nice job in Memphis. I've not been up on Graceffo's numbers as recently, um, but like if it goes to, truly off the rails, man, I think you're taking it and you're going Mason win at shortstop. You're bringing up any of those starters who are close. And honestly, you trade Flaherty and Montgomery because you could maybe get something for both of them, uh, get some prospects. I'm talking about if they're 25 games under, which I don't advocate for for selling off at this point. Um, but I think you could strategically trade one of those guys from the rotation and then go do what it takes to get Dylan Cease or do what it takes to get whichever starting pitcher who is controllable and happens to pop up as available when the time comes. Like that's the move that I think you end up needing to make. And we'll see we'll see whether they can pull those off. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be painful. You'll have to give up good players. But I think they need to either go all in on developing these young pitchers and say, we gotta find some guys that are affordable so that we can build around and alongside some of these things. Or I mean, you're just you're just gonna have to to make those types of trades. So I don't know. But I would I would say there's gonna come a point this season where you invest in the young guys, but I still don't I still don't subscribe to trade Goldie, trade Arenado. Um but the Goldie thing could, I mean, the Goldie thing could end up happening. That would be what would get kind of rough to me. Um, because it, But it's a, l- a little more believable because he's only got one more year on the contract. Arnato I just don't know, are you paying down the contract to trade away one of your best players so that you can get young? Today, Ollie Marmol talked about having to guide a lot of young guys through some troubling times right now in their careers that they've never really experienced before. And maybe some older guys too. I think that was probably a reference to Contreras in part. But like, you don't want a, a clubhouse full of young guys i think it's valuable to have the veterans we talk about losing the veteran leadership of yadi and albert well don't don't just think you can trade off the other guys and then be fine because then you're like you're the royals they've got sal perez but they've got a bunch of young guys and they got granky on the pitching side but they're they're terrible and there there's no end in sight for them being terrible because they don't i just don't think they've got the internal leadership to be able to know what it looks like to fix it so you know, that's another, that's another aspect for me that I, I think about that. And I wonder, don't do anything short-sighted, right? <laughs> don't do anything too short-sighted. Uh, I'm just going to go right here with the live chat because, I guys, I might have missed some comments. They're coming in hot and heavy. I've scrolled to the very top of the live chat. Um, all messages visible, and I still feel like I've missed some. But uh, I'm going to roll right back into it. Jesse says, maybe not the clubhouse is toxic. I don't think it's toxic. I think it's lost. I think it doesn't. I think right now it needs Ollie Marmel to be its shepherd, and that's what I said. I I don't have a qualm with Ali Marmel in terms of his bullpen management like a lot of Cardinals fans do. I don't have a qualm with some of the in-game stuff. I I think right now I don't have a qualm with the way he handles a clubhouse, and he sounds like he says all the right things and is, and is, is having these heart-to-hearts and is working on those aspects, managing personalities. But does it ring true from a manager without a lot of experience? Again, I rolled my eyes when Cardinals fans said it because I didn't think it was fair to Ollie because of how sharp of a guy that he is. But now you're talking about like, we're talking life experience at this point of like, and I'm not saying he hasn't had life experience, he's had a lot more than me. But it's one of those things where something's got to manifest at this point to flip the switch, turn it back on, and get these guys back aligned in the right way but it also may be an unfair ask of a manager when you give him a roster that doesn't fit together. It doesn't fit together the right ways. And that was something that they could have taken care of in the offseason. How many times, if you guys were listening to B-Shape Daily before the whole YouTube thing, which, by the way, subscribe, the 78 of you still watching this, would love for you to subscribe to this channel for daily Cardinals content. But if you're listening in the offseason, how many episodes did we talk about? Make a trade. Make two trades. Make five trades. Trade to fix the glut of the 40-man roster. Trade to fix... Hey, Mo thinks you've got six or seven starting pitchers. That's great. You don't have six or seven good ones, so find a way to clear some of that space and reorganize. We talked about it at nauseum, and none of it happened. None of it happened. Brad says, playing your shortstop at shortstop. Brennan, uh, that's just crazy talk. Yep, it's insanity. Corn says, I'm so pissed that we're doing this again. Michael wants win at short. He's a spark plug. He could be a spark plug. You also don't want it to go the other way, though. Like If this team sucks, don't put him in this environment. Um... I was listening to the post game on KMOX on the way home, and Matt Pauly was asked about that, and he said, well, you don't want to lose the service time. I don't think it would impact service time. I think he would just then be super two eligible. If it doesn't impact service time, get in the Major League experience. That's what I would say. Like, relative to, when I say service time, I mean, relative to if you called him up opening day next year versus middle of this season, I don't think he can accrue enough days this year to have it matter. So I think I would just, again, if DeYoung gets to a point where he's just unplayable, which... I get some of you think that has already happened. Then I'm certainly doing it, especially if you you insist that Tommy has to play center, then go ahead, do it. Uh, Brendan and Left Gorman at second, Walker at DH. Brian, that's exactly what I would do, my man. That's exactly what I would do. Because for as much as I, I said last year, I didn't love Brendan Donovan in, in the outfield as much as I liked him on the infield, times have changed and desperate times call for desperate measures. And I just think it's not, it's doing Walker a disservice. And if you're going to trade Goldschmidt, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think this team is desperate for a, a guy like Goldschmidt to remain in the fold and lead them through this. He is probably the most important guy on this team, I would say, right now. Um, which is not to say that Arenado is not right up there with him, but I think it's Goldschmidt that could be that kind of steadying presence. I, I think this I think this team needs Goldschmidt in the worst way. But if you were to trade him, I would make Walker a first baseman the next day. Because I. it's not to say it can't work out long-term in the outfield, but you also would like to have it not be a work in progress for a team that really does need to be defensively great because they have a pitch to contact pitching staff. So that, I don't know if that's a long-term thing. Cause like Walker's a good enough athlete to not have to just be resigned to being a first baseman at 21 years old, because that's a lot of times where you put the guy that can't field, although it's not the case for Goldie, but it's one of those deals where like, if if it's going to matter to have to win right now, you've got to try to make some decisions for the right now. And uh, I just, it's not Jordan Walker's fault, but I don't think you can keep playing him in the outfield. I've been saying it for a few days. I think you, I think you can't do that. Um, I, I would, even if you give up a little bit at second base, I think that's okay. If you don't think Gorman's as good as Donovan, which I don't, but I think Gorman's fine. But that's the trade-off that you got to consider. Or just put your center fielder back in center field, put your shortstop back at shortstop, and then you can move Walker to right field, where I think he's less of a detriment because you does not you just don't see as many balls out there necessarily. And I think he's more comfortable in right field. It's it's a it's a slim margin, but I do think he's a little more comfy out in right. Uh, Corn wants to know when Newt is back. I don't think it's going to be soon, bro. He's going to – Jeff Jones had this from tonight. Uh, I saw him talk to Newt and then walked over and said, hey, here's what's going on. He's going to go travel to – I think it's Jacksonville where the Memphis team's going to be this week. Not to play necessarily right away and maybe not even all week, but just to like practice with a team environment that he's going to be around Um why he wouldn't travel with the Cardinals, maybe I don't. Maybe that would be an implication that he could play on this road road trip for uh for Memphis. But Luke Combs is playing Bush Stadium on Saturday night. Um, Flatland Cavalry is opening and Riley Green. I'm going to this concert by the way, so if anybody's gonna be there, I'll be up in the in the nosebleeds. But uh I was I was getting tickets and uh I didn't have Anthony financing me at the time. <laughs> He's got another super chat that we'll get to. Um but uh the reason that Lars Newpar is not just gonna stay in St. Louis is because the concerts that are coming up, they have to like, I think after tomorrow's day game on Wednesday, they're going to start to build that stage out and everything. And it completely F's up the entire field. Lars Newbar, imagine him like during a glute combs concert, trying to shag fly balls. So he's going to go to the minor league team, but I, how soon can you start playing with them? I don't know. He's, he's doing some baseball activity. Would I think the baseline, the barometer is, will he travel for the London series? I'm going to say, no, I don't think he'll be ready to come off the IL yet. I'm hopeful to be wrong about that for his sake and for the Cardinals' sake because I think everything makes a lot more sense when you have him. Um, now, then the conversation comes, would they legit put him in center field instead of Dylan Carlson? And they probably would because that's just what they do. Um, but I think your outfield defense can also make a lot more sense with Nupar out there, uh, and so does your lineup, too. I think they miss him a lot right now. Anthony says, I never understood that we have six starters statement. And then the line a couple weeks ago saying you were in the pitching market after you said you weren't. John Mozalek. 100% in, in winter warm-up. This was in January. He said, candidly, I do a nice mo, right? He was asked about kind of the shortstop market and the pitching market because he had all those free agent shortstops. He had a lot of pitchers. And he was asked a question about that. He said, candidly, a lot of people thought we were involved in those markets, but candidly, we weren't that involved in those markets. We didn't really engage in those markets. And then he went on 101 ESPN a few weeks ago and said, we were involved in a lot of starting pitchers in the offseason, but they were all bad. And then he told, I think, Katie or one of the other writers in a Q&A the same thing. Like, well, we did go after a lot of these starting pitchers, but they're all in the IL or they're pitching bad. So it, it really wouldn't have made a difference. I think that's what he said in one of those quotes. That's not, that's your job, though. <laughs> your job, first of all, which is it? Did you go after starters or did you not? Secondly, the job of John Mozeliak is to identify in his front office, like Gersh, Scouts, Flores, identify which pre-agent starting pitcher to explore and then try to sign that guy to a contract or trade some trade for somebody. Right. Like that's, that's the whole thing. And so, yeah, Anthony is a great point. The fact that we saw Mo say one thing in January and then definitely say the complete opposite. Yeah. I probably wouldn't show my face for a few weeks either, <laughs> you know, and that's just, again, I like John Moselak. I think he's done a wonderful job in St. Louis for years and years and years. I think you talk about is the model being tested is the style of baseball executiveing starting to pass him by. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. That's a big statement for uh, just such a small sample size of struggle right now for this team. But, like, we have seen the fissures kind of begin to form on the way this roster has been constructed in recent years. The model has been being tested far before 2023. But this is the first year that we're like, oh, the model, you got to throw out the window if this is the way the model spits out a ball club because it's just not working. And I feel like you could look at, it's so fascinating because, and I could do this for five hours, talk about the different kind of minutia about a ball team. And thank you to Scotty for the, uh, for the for the addition there to the live super chat. Uh, where I, you guys can find it, I don't know. It's keeping, it's continuing to tell me to insert chat. I'm not going to do that, but uh, you guys have been awesome supporting with the super chat for those who have done so. Um, I'm not going to add any ads because I don't want people to miss the content because I just want to keep talking. But in the future, we might explore that again. This is day one of having it this way. I have no idea what I'm doing. But the model has been tested for the last few years. Now it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, do you individually think Brendan Donovan shouldn't be on this team? Well, no. Do you like Tommy Edmond? Yeah, if he's hitting right now, he's not. Plays a good wherever he plays defensively. Well, did you want to bet on Tyler O'Neill? Yeah, you could have conversations on both sides of that fence, I think. All these things could be happening, but John Moselek is the guy at the end of the day that has to individually decide, like, These decisions are what I've got to make. I've got to put my foot down and make the bold call to trade the guy that I don't really want to trade or to not sign the contract that everything about my roster is pointing towards signing Wilson Contreras. Maybe I don't. Maybe I say, Andrew Kisner, i got to know better about the players that I have, and this dude might have an OPS of 700 this year if I just play him all season. And could that be enough if I add in other areas? I like Wilson Contreras. I'm not saying it's a failure of a signing yet. But if his numbers are this for five years, it's the worst signing in team history. Again, I'm not saying that yet because that would be an overreaction. You have to keep everything proportional. But could there have been other decisions made with that money or with the, the allocation of resources? Yeah. I mean, would other decisions have him in a better spot? I don't know. We, we won't ever know. Do I think Wilson Contreras can end up being a good player? Yeah. But if he's telling John Denton last night his confidence is shot, I mean... Well, Cardinals fans probably said, "Yeah, I know. I've I've watched you play. I've watched you in the batter's box." Ollie was asked tonight about would he play tomorrow. He said, "Well, it's twelve fifteen game. Kiz is going to catch." But he made sure it, he didn't want to say like this is a thing where yeah, Ollie needs a day because I've seen Cardinals fans say Ollie needs or pardon Wilson needs a day. Ollie, that's not what Ollie was saying. It's like well, it's twelve fifteen game. He's going to get the day. But there have been Cardinals fans who have said Wilson needs the week, and his swing is off, and it does. It, I mean. He had a play tonight where he, I thought he got hit by a pitch and they brought him back to the plate. <laughs> like, And then he struck out looking. He struck out looking twice tonight. Um, Yeah, he needs a day. If Ollie didn't say it, I'll say it. I mean, he does. He might need more than a day. He certainly needs to be moved down in the order because if you're talking about a big situation coming up for this team and you see Wilson Contreras in the on-deck circle, you're just going, mm. bummer, bummer. But what can you do? It's a lineup, right? Well, you can change the lineup. You can change it. And um, I I don't want to bag on Contreras that much because he cares as much as anybody in there and maybe more because you see the the emotion coming out of him. I was in the clubhouse last night talking to Stratton um, when John Denton was was chatting with Wilson on his way out the door. That might have been the better scrum for me to get into. But it wasn't a scrum, so I wasn't going to elbow in on John. But, yeah, he gave some honest comments in there, and you could hear it in his voice if you were in the room. You could hear it in his voice that, the struggle and it's inexplicable for him and that it's hard what he's going through. But at a certain point you're managing, you got to go, all right, if his confidence is shot anyway, we might have to move him down in the batting order because him coming up in a key situation right now is not good news for the Cardinals. And nobody, you know, they're not coming through with runs in scoring position. It was Arenado yesterday. I mean, just a clear his day opportunity. And again, baseball is a game built on failure, especially if you're a hitter. So I get it. But it's first and third one out, and your team is starving for a big knock or at least a sack fly. And he pops up to the first baseman. Again, you can't expect him to come through every time, but, I mean, the numbers, and the numbers, again, we talked about last night, where with runners in scoring position, they're about middle of the pack in batting average, like 253 coming into today. I think they were 3 for 10. That's like 15th in MLB. Their slug is, you know, OPS is even higher than that but you think about those games where 16 runs, 18 runs, yeah, that's going to that's going to juice up your numbers. What about the week straight where they go, you know, 5 for 38 and in, in so doing it costs you four games because you lose them all by one run. I mean, that's that's tough. And that's just where the Cardinals are right now. And then tonight the starting pitcher the, the starting pitching faltered again when it had been really really solid lately. It's inexplicable, guys. I, don't, I'm, I say I'm at a loss for words, and yet I've talked about it for an hour. Um, like the stream, we can get to 50, can we not? Uh, we got 86 people in here. That is great to see. Uh, if you guys are new to the channel, welcome. Subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer channel on YouTube. We're talking Cardinals all year long. Uh, it'll get to the point where, too, I want to get with some other creators and some other media folks and uh, maybe see if they'll come on with me and talk. And uh, maybe it won't just be me all the time. But liking the live stream format tonight with everybody getting involved, Appreciate you guys a lot. Um, at least when, watching win on Cork a few throws would be interesting. That's from Brad. And, guys, I really apologize if I'm not getting your comment. I I, I could only, you know, thank the guys who have who have done some of the Super Chats. Again, just kind of rolling that out. But if you definitely are like, this comment has got to be seen, I, whatever the minimum of a Super Chat is, if, if it's a dollar, I don't even know what they let you do. But that's, like, I, I will see it because it pops up on my screen. Um, but I'm just trying to get through as many of y'all as I can. Steven, Two and 9 record following the 19 games in 19 days and then a much-needed but rare two-day break is more demoralizing than the 10-24 start. They had the chance to turn it all around, but now they're dead. Could not agree with that more because, again, I didn't think it was an excuse to be complaining about the 19 games in 19 days. It was reality. That's where they were. They were probably worn out from it. But, man, whatever happened after that, they have been brutal since then. So you can't say it's fatigue anymore because that, that situation went away. But the 2-9, and nine, I mean, it's bad. This has been the worst two weeks that I can remember. I mean, they're just not competitive in these games, and they're losing them all by one run. That's the problem. But like before today, how can you say they're not competitive, but they're losing by one run? I don't know. I watched them. I watched the games, and I just knew, oh, yep, this is where. It has become so predictable, which I think for the team, for the guys on this team, literally does become a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, where they they're like, well, this is kind of what we're used to, so. It's a hard thing to pull yourself out of that mindset, too. Patrick says, in my view, Moe seems like a guy who doesn't like to go out there and when things are bad, he's likely insecure, prefers the yes men. I know that's kind of the the, the narrative. Um, Moe has done a lot when things were bad. I can remember, I think it was 2020, because it was when there were no fans in the stands. And the Cardinals were kind of going through a rough patch in 2020, too. It was a short season. They had all the COVID stuff going on. And at one point, mo I'm pretty sure this was 2020, might have been 2021, either way. Mo came up into the press box and just sat down and chatted. I mean, I guess you'd say it was off the record, but like he could tell that there are a lot of things to criticize right now about the way things are going. And so I'm just going to go out there and just kind of hang out and and shoot the breeze. We talked about the team. He answered some things candidly and that's, you know, Sometimes those things happen off the record, but but that can color the covers to go, all right, as a as a writer or whatever, you kind of understand it. But that's it's like a group off the record. This was a couple of years ago. But like, it was never as bad as it is now. You know what I mean? And so this is a new frontier for him and for everybody involved in this situation. How do you react when something goes this bad? Well, they don't really they're finding it out on the fly right now because it's never happened. And I think at first it was one of those deals where you're like, all right. This kind of blows, but it's gonna turn around because we got a lot of talent here. And, you know, like some of y'all have said, I'm 25 years old. It's never I've never seen it. Well, neither have they. They have been in this organization for that long. In most case, it's been like 20 years. And he's you know, he's never seen it. It's never happened. So you're you're kind of seeing them work their way through this the same way as the fans are. Redbird says we signed an offensive catcher, but I would bat him eighth because I can't stand the at bats. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. I I'd say bat him seventh just because there is some left, right, left or left switch or I should say right switch left that you could do. Uh, I realize I have not shown the flarity numbers uh, today. There you go, get that on your screen. Um, so I, I would bat him seventh. I, you can't bat him fifth anymore though. That's such a prime spot. And if your guys Goldie and Aronado are coming through, which they have been recently, you you don't want to just end the inning after that. He become becoming auto out. Wilson Contreras, unless he's walking or getting hit by a pitch. It's gotten to that point where it's, I, I, I don't like to be derogatory, but that's, you just kind of know he's going to make an out. And I think he's feeling that. And that is a tough place to be as a hitter. Tough place to be. Slim Hot Pocket said they had Ollie on the postgame tonight. As far as the words go, I don't know what else he's supposed to say. I agree. I agree. I tried to ask ask him, you know, how, I asked him how he stays patient. Because you got to be pulling your hair out in his chair. And he's like, you just have to. It's, it's not a choice. Um, Anthony chiming back in asked what I would do in the off season. Well, here's the thing: if the, first of all, if this ends up going the bad way, they they lose 90 games or whatever. I, if I'm Bill DeWitt, I'm like Mo, I love you, but can you can you start this reorganization now? Because I don't think you can have Mo lead the next stage of this, not because I don't think he could do it but because he's already basically said he's done after 2025. And I I said at the time, this was February, and I said, he says he's done after 2025. I'm telling you, it's probably going to be before that that he kind of decreases his role. And so I would say, because you know he's kind of in a lame duck, lame duck situation anyway, it was going to be for the fluidity of the the transfer of power, and that was going to be a benefit to the team. But now I'm like, if they lose 90 games, it might you might just have to expedite that process. So that would be the first thing is if it's even possible to have that happen. If not, my edict to Mo, if I'm Bill DeWitt, is like, can we get a little more aggressive with you know not necessarily in spending, but like reshuffling this roster and coming in with a new look next year. Paul DeYoung will be gone. He's not under contract. It's an option, and they don't have to pick it up, so they won't. I like Tommy Edmond. I like Nolan Gorman. I like Brendan Donovan like Dylan Carlson. I think those that's a group of names of guys that you could conceivably trade. And they're also, like, attractive to other teams. I didn't say Tyler O'Neill's name because, like, you could trade him, but you're not going to get transformative pieces. He's got one year left of team control. It's next year, and that's it. I would be setting up to be going, I really hope Mason Wynn takes the shortstop job to begin the season. Jordan Walker, we're going to put him somewhere. We're going to, you know, hopefully another year of work in the outfield. Try it in spring training. Maybe he needs to be an outfielder. Maybe he could be something else. And then I would say the offseason should start right now in terms of what do we do about the rotation for 2024. Those plans should already be going on is kind of the way I look at it. And if you can trade for Dylan Cease, which I, are the White Sox like kind of coming back a little bit? Let me see if I can pull this up on the standings. You can look at the live standings here. Um, I just want to scroll to the White Sox division. Like, they're five out, so maybe that whole Dylan Cease thing ain't going to happen because that was the one guy you could kind of hang your hat on and say, if he becomes available, you you might have something there. And it might be painful to get a guy like that, but you could you, if he's available, you could do it. If not, well, you I don't know what transformative pitching trade's out there. I don't know if it's Shane Bieber. I'm talking about, like, the July period now. But there's the division standings. I mean, they're eight and a half back. It's uh it's stinky. Honestly, guys, looking at this list, I'm taking the Reds over over that, over Milwaukee. I'm taking the Reds. I'm certainly taking the Reds over Chicago. If they if they call up Encarnacion Strand as well, another stud prospect hitter for them, and if they get a little pitching to add to the deadline, they got some mojo. These are the guys I can't figure out, Pittsburgh. I still don't think I believe But these are the guys that should be winning this division. But I can no longer just continue to, like, blindly tell you that they will. The Cardinals, and by the way, if you didn't see, like, the pointer finger on the the screen there, I was pointing at all those teams, then that was probably a really dumb exercise. But I'm looking at the the division there and thinking, whatever your record is, you can make pitching trades at at July. You can. But if it's not Dylan Cease, if if they win too many games, you see the White Sox. They're still nine under, but they're five back. They're losing a little bit again, though. Lost two in a row. Then I guess you you gotta kick the can down the road to the offseason, but you gotta spend the rest of this season, especially if you go to the trade deadline and it's done. It's over. It's over. At that point, you you think about what pitching prospects to bring up. You trade away Montgomery and Flaherty. You get what you can for them, and you let some of the young guys play. You don't trade Goldie and Arenado, in my opinion. The expectation should be to win next year. You got too much talent that's controllable like Gorman and Walker that are going to be contributing. Brennan Donovan is the one guy I wouldn't trade, but teams are going to try. And I would say, sorry, he's not for sale. But there are going to be some other guys that I would like to say that about, but I'm realistic. And I know that it may take trading some of those guys to kind of reshape what you've got going on in that room. So, Anthony, to answer your question, it's hard to know what I would do in the offseason until I know the way this plays out. But if it plays out poorly... Honestly, and if John Moselock doesn't think he can be the guy to make transformative, bold trades because he knows he's not going to be around to see how they they play out, then switch it now. I don't think they will, but that's, that's what I would say is if he's not prepared to do the deadline the way it needs to be done, let Randy Flores do it, you know? Whatever. Mike Gersh, if that's who it's going to be. That's kind of the way I look at it. But I appreciate you, Anthony. You, you've you been awesome tonight. You don't have to keep doing that. Um, it's the players to blame, dude. Pitchers not executing, bullpen sketchy, and if they don't hit a home run, they don't score. Can't put hits together. The guy we paid $90 million for is a sub-200 hitter. That about chops it up. Brian's been good tonight. <laughs> the comments from Brian have been good tonight. Um, Jesse, we need to cook, says Herrera, Yepes, Donovan, Wynn, Walker, Burleson, Carlson, Newbar, and Gorman should be the lineup. Season is lost. I know, Jesse, you think that they should trade Goldie and Arenado, And you think, I I think I saw a comment where you said, do it for young pitching. You can maybe get a good pitching prospect for Goldschmidt. Arenado is not going to go the way you think it will. Like, I think with the contract, and he's a little older now than he was when the Cardinals got him, you're not, like, the Cardinals fleeced the Rockies, and I get that, but the Rockies just weren't prepared to pay his contract. And so that's why you ended up seeing that play out the way that it did. I truly don't know. What the Cardinals could even get for Arenado. I think he's got more value to the team than in a trade. I think the same of Goldschmidt, but I could see the other side of that potentially. I just think from a clubhouse perspective, you don't want to lose Paul Goldschmidt. But I agree with Donovan, Wynn, Walker, Carlson, Newtbar. I guess I could even say Burleson. Yepes, you can't play him in the outfield. If you want to watch some bad baseball, put Yepes in Walker at the corners. Um, Ivana Herrera, though, is a fair notion to get a chance for but they signed a $90 million catcher instead. I mean, that's part of it, too. If if you believed in Herrera a lick, you don't do that in the offseason. You don't sign Contreras to that deal. You sign Tucker Barnhart or another cheap veteran. You let him split with Kisner. You you don't throw Andrew Kisner under the bus the way you did by acting like he doesn't freaking exist. Again, this is not a Wilson Contreras comment. It's not. I think he can. I think he can figure it out and be a, a solid player. But again, we're talking about asset management. And I just didn't get it. I was ready to go into the offseason. I said, you could take Andrew Kisner, and if he plays 40, 50%, as you kind of figure things out, life post-Yachty, if you can't pull off a trade or you don't like, you know, who's out there and the the affordability of those guys and free agency, you could do that. And they just like completely pretended Kisner did not exist. To the extent that it is comical. Now, I like Ollie Marmel. Some of the things that he said. And I wasn't there for him, but I was reading some Ben Fred articles and tweets at the time. He was still down there. Absolutely comical that there was an implication at any point in time that Andrew Kisner was maybe not going to make this roster out of camp. It's a joke. They, it tells me everything I need to know about how very little they knew about what they were up against with this whole catcher situation. With the fact that they were going to have to move on from Yadier Molina. Told me they didn't have a clue what they were up against. Because they just thought, well, and he's a veteran. Wilson Gutierrez can come in and, you know, Yachty was like a veteran. And so Wilson's like a veteran. So he'd just be, you know, do we kind of, hey, can you do what Yachty did? It was good. We liked it. No notes. We'll just, we'll have more of that. Are you joking? Like, that's honest to goodness the way it feels from the outside. And then to un- not understand that that's not a thing, which again, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but I mean, in some ways it kind of feels the way it, it played out. It wasn't until the season started that they go, oh. Maybe this Yachty guy was on to something. Like we always said he was good. But uh it turns out maybe there's only one of them in the league and uh and the guy that we got really wants to be him, but you know, he's gonna do his best. But maybe he didn't know what he was what he was up against because we didn't tell him those expectations. Who knows? But Andrew Kisner was a guy who actually got to see it and work it and and was part of it. And so to think that you could just go, well, this Trace Barrera kid, you know, he's He's a career minor leaguer, but he's kind of hitting good in spring. He hit a home run one time in Grapefruit League. And Kisner's not hitting it all, so we might have to... It tells me they didn't have the first clue about what they were up against. That is like... If you're looking for smoking guns of this season, it's the ridiculous quotes that came out about Andrew Kisner and Trace Barrera and there being a battle for the backup catcher. It's a joke. They should have done even more than say that Andrew Kisner was the bonafide backup coming into the season they should have said he's going to split with whoever we bring in, but when you sign 90 million or 87 million, then obviously the split, you know, we we see how that's going to go. But instead, they really did bury him in the way they talked about Kiz. It started at the GM meetings in the offseason. when I saw the quotes. I wasn't there, couldn't tell you what city they were in, but I read the quotes about how catcher was the number one priority. I thought, well, yeah, duh, but I didn't see Andrew Kiszler's name in the article. I'm thinking. All right, throw that guy under the bus at your own will if that's the way you want to go about it. But they didn't have a clue. That's what tells me they didn't have a clue. Uh, Spiroglyph says Ollie has the ego. Players waiting for him to get fired. I don't think that's true. I mean, Ollie's got a he's got a he's got a a kind of brusque streak to him, no doubt about it. Ego, I don't know. I don't know. It comes across that way sometimes, I suppose. But I think he is sharp. I think he is. I think he's real. I think again, I've said this before, if Cardinals fans saw behind the scenes of Ollie and the way he spoke about things sometimes, you'd be like, Oh, no, this is my guy. I, I I F with this guy. But again, right now your your team sucks, and so you're looking for things to blame. I get it. But I, I that's why that's why it's tough. Difficult juxtaposition for for, for your boy. I'm your boy. Uh Ethan says Ollie is bad, but he's Mo's puppet. Fire Mo. This is all on him and he neglected the pitching going in. Yeah, it is all on Mo. In the front office, uh, the puppet thing—I don't—I don't really think is—I think it gets more play than it deserves. Mo did want somebody that aligned more with his philosophy than what Mike Schilt did, so if that's your definition of puppet, then maybe you're onto something there. But um, I think the notion that it is on Mo because he built the roster is the one that I want to focus on, because I think that's true and it's right. Dominic said just got into town a couple hours ago, going to tomorrow's game. At least the tickets are cheap. Nobody wants to go. Yeah, if I didn't have a radio show tomorrow I would just go for fun just kind of just take in the weather but uh those those pesky radio gigs four to four to 6 p.m on ktGr uh redbird says I don't see why they would let Ollie control the lineup they should most likely the lineup is you you said too many woods you got to put a wooden in there redbirds or it doesn't become clear but most likely the lineup is made by mo and a computer somewhere and that's not true it's not Ollie makes the lineup uh, Gorman at second is better than Walker in the outfield. Yep. I agree, Korn. It's a tough trade off to make, but I do agree with it. Um, bring Zuniga back or Jake Walsh back up, uh, talking about kind of the struggles of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, we can look. I haven't I haven't combed the box scores in Memphis a ton. It is weird that Zuniga only ever got one outing, but his ERA in Memphis is seven point seven. So I don't know if that those numbers mean anything to you, uh, you folks out there who know the art of pitching. But um yeah, Zuniga's been really getting lit up in Memphis. Jake Walsh, we haven't really uh seen this season. He popped in for a minute last year. But he's looked good. Yep, those numbers are good. Two seven four ERA with Memphis this season. I would give it a try. He threw hard at, at a point in time. But the problem is I don't really know who you who you send out. You know? Maybe it's Cabrera because you got Matt's as a lefty and Matt's has honestly been a little better than cabbie recently, but is that a reasonable thing to do? Somebody liked it and now it's back. It's unliked. we're down to 49 instead of 50 likes. Give me to 50. Appreciate you guys though. Subscribe to the channel, follow b shaped daily on Spotify and give me a five-star review. I sound so uh, was uh, greedy. I sound so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Demanding, demanding you do it. No, I'm asking, I'm pleading. Um, So no on Zuniga, Jake Walsh, I could see CJ and Cabrera needs to go back down after tonight. Yeah, that's fair. Walsh for Zuniga. I don't mind it. I'm sorry. Walsh for Cabrera. I don't mind. Um, Cabby man has such good stuff, but he's so inconsistent. The players are not waiting for the manager to get fired. Thank you, corn. The pirates and brewers lose again. You'll have to see that man. The Cardinals are not even out of this thing, but it's, my thing with it is it's not because suddenly the standings are saying they don't have time. It's the way they're playing tells me they don't have the gumption. Like, they, what are they going to do to fix it? Ethan says, I'm not talking about the rotation. The bullpen's a joke. Can't complain much about the management of the pen when we really don't have the guys out there without Helsley now. That's why I said yesterday I don't want to diminish the guys because they're human beings and they're actually the two guys that I would have been ripping yesterday have pitched solidly for the most part this season, Polante and Stratton. Um. They, if, if they're your seventh and eighth guys, you are you know they should be more middle relief types. Polante against lefty batters, Stratton against righty batters, fill some middle innings when the starters go not very deep or when you're down by a couple of runs. If they're pitching high leverage, again, it's not that they're bad pitchers, but the, it everybody's got to kind of slot into their role to make the bullpen nomics uh, bullpen I can't figure out the word there. the bullpen economics and the the, the flow chart kind of play. And I don't think it plays right now. And then today, it didn't matter who you brought in; they they stunk. Maybe maybe more Verhagen, but he stunk against the Reds. So who knows? Squires says if you got to choose one, who is the most at fault for this season? Offense, defense, pitching, starting pitching of the bullpen. Great question. And I I'll preface it by saying you can't pick just one. It's a little bit of everything. It's a it's a golden corral buffet of problems. That was my college job, one of many. We'll get into some personal stuff sometimes if you want. I did work at Golden Corral as a server. Um, Squires, I think it's the offense for me. And that's going to sound crazy because the bullpen is pitiful right now. The rotation was as bad as it got at the beginning of the season. But the offense, the way it was built on paper, Ollie Marmel was was up front in spring saying, and even right before the season, day one in his office, said this offense is going to be a powerful offense this season. He He was making bold claims about the offense. And I was kind of like, all right. I hear you and then we saw them against the Blue Jays and it was like all right this I mean they might be but it it hasn't stayed that way and the consistency has just been it's just been absent. And so I'm going to say it's the offense because the way this team was constructed they constructed it to say if we're going to win 90 games in the central most reasonable case scenario would have us going this is I'm saying us because it's the Cardinals saying this. It would have us going, bullpen's got to be, you know, 12th best in the league to 15th best. Just be top half. Rotation, kind of same thing. You might even say 12 to 15 for rotation, 10 to 12 for bullpen. With Hellsley Gallegos, you got to be a little bit more toward the top half. The way we're constructed, though, the offense has to be top three. Not top five, but top three. That's the way the Cardinals were built. It was built to have, and we'll look right now, right through the offense. It's a great question that you asked there, Squires. They were built to have Donovan have a 770 OPS instead of 731. And he'll get there, by the way. I still believe that he'll, he will. They are built to have Goldie go 900 instead of 879, although Goldie's been fine. Didn't think Baker would be here. They were built to have Gorman go 850 OPS. That, he's actually doing, you know, 800 or above for, for Gorman. 850 would have been kind of lofty. Arenado, they were built to have him go probably 850, 875, push 900. He'll, he'll probably get to those numbers. Uh, they're built for wilson Contreras. Here's where it gets interesting. Built for wilson Contreras to be 7, a minimum of 750 OPS. 639 is an absolute no. No, 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 no. Irrevocably broken if that's his OPS. The team and the way they're constructed is broken if that's his OPS. Realistically, though, he needed to be more like 770, 780. But I would have taken 750, 760. Dylan Carlson. Yeah, he they were constructed for him to be a fourth outfielder, so it doesn't really matter. But it'd be nice to get him to 700. And he should be a, a top three outfielder because of his defense. Walker, 788, you take that and run. You take it and run. Uh, DeYoung, didn't think he'd be at 743. Um, and he may not be by the end of it. And Edmond, they were built to, he needs to be more like 730. So, I mean, I went through that, and I think you found about six guys that are below what they needed to be. And then you said Walker, you take, Gorman, you take, Goldie. Yeah, I mean, even still, you wanted to be a little better, but he will be. Or not a little better. I mean, this is this is it right here. Wilson Contreras has gotta be better. And he knows that. But I think this offense, if you got six guys that you go, yeah, oh, and Lars Newpar, like Lars Newpar's hanging out there, he's done about what you what you want to see from him. I could pull up Tyler O'Neal's numbers, but it would be mean. But they needed Tyler O'Neal to do more. If Dylan wasn't going to be a starter, that means Tyler O'Neal needs to be a 770, 780, 800 OPS. It's 620. So you can look at O'Neill and Contreras and go, yep, yeah, no wonder. So I'm going to say the offense, even though there are other issues at play, but the offense is a is a big one. Because they were built to be elite. They had to be. b Shafe Daily is as consistent as the 23 Cardinals, just in a different way. I like to think we're consistent. This is the first year that I've really been like, all right, boys and girls, we're going to do podcasts, try to do at least five a week. And there will be weeks where we don't. Like I went to the family farm. I was out of out of pocket for three days. And so you didn't didn't hear from me. It'll be the same thing toward the end of the month Um, or like early July. July 4th is like my holiday because my birthday is on the first. And so we'll go to the farm probably. And, uh, you know, it could be a few days. The beverages will be consumed. Probably shouldn't have me on the internet at that point talking about the Cardinals, especially if they're playing like this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, B-Shape Daily is going to be here to stay, and it'll be fun in the offseason too because I almost feel like we'll have more to talk about with these streams and with the general podcast, and we'll have less to like the, the angst won't be as high because it'll be all about the possibility of the future. Right now, brutal. Corn says the bullpen, worst of uh, the reasons for the issues, and I can't give you that because they've, they only play three to four innings a game. Uh, that's another part of it. The offense, dude, it's been brutal, and they play all game. Dominic says, I've still watched all but two games. I love self-punishment, apparently. Yeah, these you guys are gluttons at, at this point for punishment. Nefarious, was there an explanation for why Burley was pinch-hitting Fernando? I was at the game, and I didn't have the luxury of hearing. Um, well, I was at the game, too, and didn't have the luxury of hearing. But what inning was it would be my question. I don't know if I'll be able to find it that quickly, but we'll do a little scroll action here. Arnold batting there. Uh the I'm assuming the answer is going to be because it was so late in the game, the Cardinals, they knew they they were out of it. Yeah, here it was. Uh bottom of the eighth. Yeah, the score is really the reason. It was um I don't know if you'd notice, but they were losing by a lot. It was nine to two at that point, so that's why they just they gave up, get him off his feet. That's not all that uncommon either. They they've done stuff like that before. Uh, Slim says disc golf definitely. It's a fun hobby, dude. Um, Spencer starts to think the same, saying as much as the feelings toward Ollie go up and down, can't imagine he's as dense as having the same lineup construction when it fails day after day. No, I still tell you it's not Mo making the lineup. You guys may not believe me, but it isn't. Um, no chance to win the Central. The hope is to finish above five hundred. That's what we have to look forward to, and that's from Brad. Uh, another comment from CJ about bringing up Jake Walsh. Yep, I think that's fair. And you could send down Cabby for a minute. That's fine. But he, he would be sad not to get to go to London. Uh, Milky said, the last time the Cardinals had a losing season, I was five. Yeah, and what was that, 07? So how old was I in 07? I was 13. I was in middle school. Yep. And that was the one where they fired Walt Jockety and brought in Moe. And they haven't had a losing season since. So for all the hate for Moe, Moe's responsible for this this year. But he also was responsible for a long period of winning. Fair is fair. Got to be proportional. Brent says, don't think they can sell off Goldie and Notto unless you see Moe and Ali gone first. Yeah, I just, I think that would be, if you're selling off those guys though, you're admitting organizational failure of the highest degree. Because they should be career cardinals. Dennis says that Moen DeWitt didn't want to spend the money to upgrade the pitching. Again, they're paying every pitcher. So I agree, but I also am like, uh, they're maybe they just got to stop spending bad money on pitching. Stephen Match is in the bullpen. $44 million. But they do need some shutdown relievers. Yep. They got an inconsistent pen. I agree with that, too. The Cardinals model, pitching wise, has been this is from Brad, pitching to contact. That's great when your defense is solid. It's not the case this season. And It may not be the case as much going forward that you can have a a distinct advantage defensively because of why. Well, there's new rules in play. Pitch clock means you can't have as much time to kind of fine-tune exactly the pitch you want to throw. Sometimes you just got to throw it because you're out of time. And then the other factor of that is your defense is not going to be as in tune because why? They can't shift the way that you want them to. And the Cardinals, I think, have been a pretty good shifting team and now they can't do it as much. Will says, stop me if you've heard it before. The FO says that they have what it takes to win the division, that's it. We can compete until Christmas. This is what we get, and we'll like it. Uh, we can complain until Christmas. Yeah, well, they. Um, I think they have talent to compete in a, in a bad Central, but they have lost too many games now to where I think they're going to. Like I, I don't, I've lost the belief that they're going to win the division. If you asked me tonight, I would be riding the wave of emotion. I'd say the Reds are going to win the Central. The Pirates could be plucky. I don't think the Brewers are very good, so I don't think they'll win. The Cardinals should go win five of their next seven, and then I'll tell you again that's it's going to be them because there is still time. But Corn asked about the Contreras photo breaking the cooler. What a disaster. At least he's showing some emotion. Yeah, I guess I would say I didn't know for sure that that was Contreras. In the picture, he was sitting in front of the cooler. I did see that pop up on Twitter, but I don't know that he broke it. But he's sitting there, and so it probably was him. But there's other guys on this team that can break stuff. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. Uh, Wainwright making 17 mil. Owner doesn't want to spend money on free agent relievers. Does that make sense? No, you don't want to spend money on free agent relievers because it's a bad investment. When's the last time they spent on a free agent reliever and you've been like, gee whiz, what a deal. Andrew Miller, not really. Brett Cecil, nope. Greg Holland, nope. It doesn't work. Develop trade for relievers, develop starters. Trade for relievers, develop starters. That needs to be the new model. And I get—I mean, they probably would wish they were doing that and probably have tried but I would always trade for a reliever rather than sign one because you're going to overpay and you're probably not going to get a lot of value out of it. You just aren't unless it's a one year deal. Then it's fine because then those guys te- seem to know that they're pitching for a contract and then Aroldis oldest Chapman happens and bang, he's great for the Royals. Bang was a bad choice of words to describe her Chapman. That's on me. That's on me. And I got to be better. Will says, I want to complain every night, but it's like talking to a teenager. Nothing's going to come of it because the ones you're complaining about ain't listening. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm listening well, but maybe you think I'm a teenager too. That's fine. Uh, Janelle says, I saw the uh, saw the pictures. It actually pumps me up to see these guys get pissed off. It's about time they do. Yeah, the it was nice to have that little bench-clearing situation until Flaherty wheels fell off the next inning, and then he didn't want to talk about it after the game, so we didn't get any mileage out of that. Dominic saw Mark who propose the Cardinals should trade Aronado for a big package, move Goldie, and build around Walker, Gorman, Carlson, and Nupar. I don't think Mark DeRosa realizes the, that it's going to be maybe not as big of a package if you've got that longer contract attached, which like Arenado's deal is not an albatross. I think he's going to still be worth the contract, but I think it's going to be baked in. Any team that's going to trade for him is going to go, well, you know, he's going to cost us a lot of money. And so it's just going to be like, it doesn't put Mo in a good negotiating position. Arenado's playing good. I don't know why you trade him because he's, he's still a great player. And he's, you got him for plenty of time. Brad would trade Flaherty, though, and so would I, just because he's under contract for this year and this year only, and then he's not going to come back. And so if he's got value, you might as well extract some of that value. And yeah, he's he doesn't want to be here. I don't know that he doesn't want to be here, but let's say, I mean, it's not a guarantee that they're going to want to sign him to whatever deal he's going to get. I would, I would bet against it. He's not coming back whether he wants to be back, right? I just don't think the Cardinals are. What does that even look like? How do you form a contract offer to a player that's as young as he is, but has been as inconsistent as he has throughout his career. And we're seeing it still. It's tough. It's tricky. If he just went and was a stud the rest of this year, you could have some faith in it. But man, right now it's just the lack of consistency that kills you. Felix, what's up, bro? I really appreciate the super chat. This is the first time we've gotten to do a super chat. So I really, uh, Felix, very generous. Appreciate you, bro. Says, sorry, have not listened to the show. Been working at night, but heard Super Chats were up. Wanted to contribute. Uh, he says, you've been the positive of the Cardinals 2033 season. I, I'm assuming Felix meant 23. And he thanks me. And thank you, Felix, because, man, you, you've you been on some of those late-night streams that were, like, off the grid. We weren't even talking baseball. We were literally just, like, trying to set up the the stream and see what it looked like. So, appreciate guys like Felix. And any of you, like, when I see the names, I know, like, oh, yeah, that person's been around. Of days and uh really helps out with things. So thanks for the support, man. All you guys, it's amazing to see. Um, and I wish, like I said, I wish we had better circumstances. I wish we were talking about wins more often. Brendan, uh, be like, drop a like and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Brad, I do have to be a shill. Sometimes I have to sound like the YouTubers that, you know, talk like that. I don't want to tell you to smash the subscribe button because I don't want you to get hurt. But you know, click it, please. <laughs> but I know I probably sound ridiculous with that, but that's like, that's part of the game to grow the channel. You do have to ask because a lot of times what I found out about subs, people are happy to do it. Like to get to a thousand subs, I looked at my Twitter followers and when people are liking all my tweets and I was like, well, that guy's like five tweets of mine this week. I'm just going to send him a message and I'd be like, Hey man, here's what I'm doing on YouTube. If you're interested, if not, sorry to bother you. But like people that already kind of watch what you, what you write and, and tweet and stuff, they're probably happy to, to help out and so that's kind of what i found on here is i say hey if you guys want to subscribe you know you probably will like the content because you like the cardinals you're here anyway while you're here throw me a sub become part of the community i always tell people too when they subscribe chat like let me know and say hey my first time being here i want to be able to welcome the new faces because i recognize a lot of y'all's names and some of them not as much but i want to be able to recognize so appreciate you guys and uh felix thanks again man John says "Wrist clutch hitting has not been there. It has not been there. And in fact, let's see. I'm going to try to do something I rarely do. I'm going to try to pull up. And now I've got like a right-click situation going on. I'm going to try to pull up the stats. And I say I rarely do it because I don't trust my internet. I don't trust my clicking abilities. But I do have a mouse. I finally got myself like an actual mouse. But what I want to see is if I can find runners in scoring position. Because you, you, it might surprise you what the numbers are with RISP. All right, so we've got... See, here's what I don't like. Can I scroll? Ooh, check it out. This is OPS. Cardinals are fifth in MLB in OPS with RISP at 800. I know, it's insane. But here's why OPS doesn't matter. It doesn't mark, like, the number of times you do come through with RISP. It marks if you, you know homered a bunch because their slug is pretty high. OBP, they've taken some nice walks with risk, but that doesn't always lead to runs. This is the one example where I'll say, you know what? Batting average actually probably does matter the most of all the stats because a hit generally is going to score a run when you've got risk. All right. And in batting average, they're 14th. Basically percentage points ahead of the Cubs, which are dead even 15th in the league. So I've talked to you, though, about how the fact that that has definitely been skewed by, some of those big games where they scored 18 runs and they probably went like 11 for 18 that day and it takes a week to like counteract that with with failure. But yeah, risk is the problem even if it doesn't show it that way, it's it's definitely been a massive problem for this team. Speaking of a massive problem, we've gone an hour and a half and I haven't got to all the comments. So I appreciate you guys for kind of sticking with me. John says congrats on the YouTube success. At least something's going well. Uh no super chat. Listen, John, nobody should feel compelled to have to do it but it helps me out for those to do, but now, nah, dude, I'm, I say I'm broke. We're, we're all, we're all just trying to get by in this life. So I ain't, I ain't sweating that at all, but appreciate your comment, John. Thanks for being here. Um, Let's see. Brian says, is it me or does it seem like the lack of wanting to let go of talent at the deadline has come back to haunt us? Multiple young players used to play the same position and expected to play new ones. Yeah. It's, it's haunting them, Brian, because I feel like when you don't have an obvious guy to trade, for Mo, it's like he just kind of doesn't do anything. He just says, well, you know, we're just going to kind of see it through with the depth that we have. And there were trade opportunities out there. And like some of them were were deals that I think we would in retrospect say, well, good thing they didn't make them. Like if they legitimately let Nolan Gorman become available in trade talks in the offseason, it's a good thing they didn't trade him. But like some of the other guys, you could okay, Carlson, he lost his trade value before you tried to trade him. And it's always like when a guy's at a high value, it doesn't occur to the Cardinals that you might have to trade that guy because he. he this is maybe the bestest value will ever be. That's kind of another thing. Give me one second, folks. It occurred to me that I had basically not taken a drink of water all night. I was like, huh, I probably should do that. But yeah, Brian, it's a good point. I mean, I think they've gotten a little snake bit. A trade like the, uh, the Ozuna trade, can leave a a GM snake bit for sure to think, oh boy, don't want to do that again. You can't trade that way though. You got to be aggressive. You can't think about who you let go because the way they let guys go is they get nothing for him. Lane Thomas, like it's a later career thing. Rosarena. We'll see, you know, they really thought that was something with the, uh, the trade for, uh, for Libby, but we'll see. I think about some of the good trades, like the honest to goodness, the good trades they've made have generally been for relievers. Trading for Gallegos of Luke White was a great trade. Cardinals won that trade easily. Trading for even Cabrera, who has struggled, but I think he was in the Tommy Pham deal, I want to say. That was a great trade. Tommy Pham, I mean, has bounced around ever since, and Cabrera's still on the team, even though he's struggling. Trading for relievers has almost always worked out for the Cardinals. Signing them hasn't. Trade for relievers, sign starters to fill the rotation that you've hopefully built with, like, internal options by, by developing them. CJ says to stand Pat at the deadline, need Monty and Flair to cover innings. You can't stand Pat. That's the one thing that I don't think you can do. I just don't think you can do it. Um, Einstein had asked about Zach Thompson. When's the time to give up him on the starting experience? And they said, wait, he has an A to ERA starting in Memphis. I read the major league stat line. Either way, did not looking too good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to give up on the Zach Thompson starting thing just yet because I don't think automatically bringing him back to the big leagues Einstein is going to make it better because he was he had completely lost his command at the end of his stint in the majors, so it's tough. Will says, I know what we're witnessing is painful, but if you didn't endure Dow Maxville, you don't know real pain. We cannot relive that. Fair enough, and I didn't endure that, so I, I can't speak to it. Jacob asked a couple of good questions here. When will we start seeing some accountability from owners, FO, coaching staff and players tired of the reactive versus proactive approach. I mean, I don't know what you want to hear from the players. I feel like they have been giving accountability. They're not pretending like it's going well. And so I don't totally agree with that. Um, I would like more accountability from the front office. I would like to see John Mozeliak do more more uh, scrums. And even if I'm not at those scrums, I think he's. it's kind of incumbent upon him to do them in the role that he's in. Um, and it's fine. Like to, If he wants to go about it a different way in a season like this and he has one-on-ones with different media members, and that's good. Maybe I should have asked for one. I, who knows? I might have gotten it. But I just am—I'm more accustomed to seeing, like, yeah, just being out there, and you just don't see him as much right now. And I, again, I get why, but that's the only thing I can say for accountability. Like, coaching staff—we talk to Ollie every day. Ollie is very accountable in his in his office. I regret that because of my my role on the radio, I'm not able to be at a lot of those sessions but I've been at enough of them to know that he's accountable in those sessions. Um, You may not think he's as accountable as he wanted to be on the TV show after the game. I don't, I don't really, I think it's, you know, it's hard to get into nuance on, on TV or in a, a five minute press conference, but I think I've heard accountability from Ali Marmel from players. I've, you know, I think they're not trying to be unaccountable to things. I think they're just describing what's happening to them. And they're a little bit baffled by it too. And so when you hear guys say that they think you can turn around it's not them saying it's great right now. It's that they're trying to talk through it and, and figure their way through it the same as anybody else. So I don't know about the accountability part, Jacob. Contreras came out and said he felt uncomfortable, didn't have any confidence. How do you trot him out the exact same way the very next day? Again, I think he was just making an honest comment about how he's feeling. Jacob, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like your approach, to be honest with you, because you can't say in one comment, "I'm tired of no accountability from the players," and then the next comment is Contreras says, "I don't have confidence right now." That's as honest as it gets in terms of accountable about the way he feels. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of a a wire or two crossed on that, uh, Jacob. But I get it. You know, people are upset. And you're right to be upset. This team stinks. So you're right to be upset. They're playing terribly. Caleb says the entire team needs to take a trip to Vegas with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I mean, they need something. Listen, they're going to London. It, maybe that's the trip, bro. Maybe that's the trip. Remember the Blues in 2019 were the worst team in the league at about this same part of the schedule and they had a trip to Philly where the Eagles were playing on TV in the bar that they were in in South Philly and and Gloria was born. Maybe the Cardinals will have their Gloria moment in London. I will say I've been to that bar twice and never got in because they keep being closed on the days that I go to South Philly. But I've been outside the Jack's bar where that famous thing for the Blues took place and I haven't gotten in. But there's a place called City Pizza right across the street that I've gone to both times and it is so good if you needed some food wrecks in South Philly. There you go. Not being aggressive enough at the plate, watching the first pitch down the pipe, and then they dot the next one, you're down 0-2. Yeah, Goldie took eight strikes yesterday before he hit his home run, but then in the ninth inning, he swung at the first pitch and bounced out to the pitcher. And so I think they're all out of sorts. You know, they, they're taking too many pitches, but then they are they they decide to swing at the first one, and it's like, well, that wasn't maybe the moment. And it that's maybe like, okay, I'm just being too picky because I you can't have it both ways. But I really do think there's a balance to be struck, and they're having a hard time finding it. Grand Slam Scotty says, I still believe in the signing of Contreras. It's a fantastic signing. He's not doing well, but nobody's doing well at the moment. There's serious issues behind the scenes, and it's affecting everybody. Yeah, but I think the issues behind the scenes largely are coming from the fact that they are losing a lot of games. Like, I don't think there'd be any issues behind the scenes if they weren't this bad. Gorman has 20 Ks and 37 at-bats in June. And that's tough, Laborer 88. That's tough. And I would say you got to play him through that, but you can move him down in the lineup. You can. Um, I would, yeah, I would put Goldie, the more I think about it, I've pushed back. And so if I push back on you as somebody who's commented to me in recent days about moving Gorman and, and bunching Arnauto-Goldie back together, it's not the favorite thing, but maybe there is a way to do it. And I think they might have to. And I would put Walker right behind Arnauto. You got to try something. They're losing so many games. The more I think about it, you know, or maybe just make Gorman go fifth. That's at least some move, and then you can go Walker sixth. I would be okay with that. I'd be fine with that. But yeah, the 20 strikeouts and 37 at bats—like he had stretches like this last year. And and what did they do? They benched him and they sent him down. You can't do that with Gorman this time, though. You need him to be able to thrive. Um, Goldsmith is not on the trade block. Hope to God That's Spencer Mo would end up trading him for a bag of peanuts. Yeah, I don't know what they'd get for him. Yeah, Edmund and June is batting one forty six. Yeah, look, guys, I can show you these numbers. I figured it out the first time with uh with the Google machine here. So let's try to do it again. Um, St. Louis Cardinals were sorted by by home runs here for whatever reason. Let's go OPS because that's like the best simple stat that I like to kind of point to the way things are going. Goldschmidt, Nor Gorman, Arnado. This is the full season stat though. So give me. I could do June, but that's not as much of what I'm hoping to see. Oh, here we go. We can go year to date and then say last 15. That's a good sample size. Arenado's killing it. Um, we got to go select player pool, all players. Don't worry if they're qualified or not. Arenado killing it. Dylan Carlson, 15 days. I know he's got kind of an overstreet streak going right now, but this is something, all right? Don't get down on D.C. Hashtag everyday Dylan for a reason. Um, Walker. I mean, 921 OPS, pretty, pretty good. Move him up in the lineup. Brendan Donovan, I've been telling you the at-bats have looked good, and I'm starting to get rewarded for that. You're seeing it over 15 days, 8, 13 OPS. These are the four guys who are playing well. Goldsmith kind of in the middle. I'll t- I'll take it for Goldie to be at the 292 mark, but he needs to get some pop going. Um, How about Andrew Kisner? He's only hitting 143, but he popped a homer in that stretch. He'll play tomorrow. He'll play Wednesday. Uh, and then here's where we get into the sad part. Burleson's hardly played, so I won't hold that against him. Paul Young, even with the homer that he popped, he's at 534 as an OPS. Wilson is hitting 091 for the last two weeks with a 504 OPS. He bats fifth every day. Nolan Gorman bats third every day for the most part. He's sat a couple of times this week. He's at 150 with a 486 OPS for 15 days. Tommy Edmonds has been worse than all of them. 140 with a 399 OPS. That's, I mean, you can't have, you can't have that. And they're all playing all, frick, there we go. All four of them playing every day. And, I mean, in prominent spots of the lineup for a couple of them. That's how, I mean, that's how it happens. Yeah, the offense is what I would blame for the struggles right now. Because not just Edmund. I felt bad that I tweeted about Edmund's numbers the other day, but I didn't include all those guys who also have been stinking up the joint. It is tough to win if that's your situation. Redbird says that he still thinks the lineup is talented. When the pitching is consistently let down, the lineup goes through the motions. I agree they're going through the motions at times. Totally agree. Hiru says hitting was a problem last year, and Albert Poole saved us from looking like this last year. Yeah, I think people don't even realize the extent to which Albert put the team on his back after the All-Star break. He had that home run derby, and he was like, you know, I could do this for real one more time. And he did. Benjamin says if the clubhouse has lost, how much leadership do these vets actually have? It's fair to question. But like I don't think the so I said the clubhouse was lost. I think they're feeling like the season is lost and they're lost for understanding why they're losing so much. That's what I meant by that. Are they lost in terms of trusting one another in their process? I don't think so. I'm not committed to that being true. But I I do hear I do hear the concern. It's valid. But I think Goldie again is the type of leader that you want in there. Sometimes I think we can get caught up in results over process. And I know you're tired of hearing about the process for a team that's 14 games under, but I also still feel like the process of trusting that Goldie is a good veteran for a clubhouse is one that I still believe in, regardless of what their record is, if that makes sense. That's kind of what I mean by all that. Going to get to a few more comments here, and then I got to probably get out of here. Jake says Although I don't believe either gets traded, if you trade Dolan or Goldie, you may as well trade them both. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. After all the preseason predictions, trading Goldie wouldn't make the team any more of a laughing stock than they already are. Trading him now means looking to 2024. I think trading him now means that you are giving up on 2024 because he's on that team unless you trade him. So, yeah, I don't know if I buy that either. All right, I'm going to scroll to the bottom. Appreciate all the chats and the super chats tonight, but I'm going to look for a couple more of these comments and, and get out of here. Brian says, yeah, five infielders. Three of them play the same position, and the three of them in the outfield on the fly. Could you imagine if not and Tyler were healthy? It'd be a bigger nightmare if Newton and Tyler were healthy. Yeah, but Newt would be helping stabilize. Tyler would be probably on the bench. Uh, lots of stuff good from Brian. would like to see Goldie hitting three-hole. He's the most consistent hitter right now. Try to give him another runner on base before he hits yeah, when they had Donovan and Newpar at the top of the order last year, I thought that worked. But I don't know if they have two set, two table setters on this team. Like that are playing that way right now. Donovan Carlson Goldie, Nato, Gorman Walker, Contreras DeYoung, Edmund would be in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, uh Carlson is as maybe a table setter could be interesting. But I don't hate it. I don't hate that. I'm trying to I'm trying to think off the top of my head if that's missing anybody that's that should be in there. Because the positions are not attached to that, I guess I can just look at tonight's lineup and see. Yeah, I think that's about that's about fair. I just don't know if the young is. I mean, can they keep doing that every day? I don't know. Uh, Truman says at the deadline, if they're in the same place they're in now, I think there's no reason Monty Flaherty Hicks and Stratton should be Cardinals. Stratton, uh, you know, I I guess I don't know what you get for him. Montgomery Flaherty Hicks completely agree you trade them. If they're out of it for real, you trade all three of them because they're all free agents. And those are the guys that you have. Now question is you do have innings to fill, but I think it's easy how you fill them. It's not gonna be pretty. You're tanking at that point. You, you bring Dakota Hudson back up. He's in your rotation because it it can't hurt anything. I mean, he can be bad. He hasn't been great at Memphis, but you, at least he's got experience. And so easy call, like if you traded two starters and you were couldn't find a way to trade for one to like, have long-term, which you need to do. But if they didn't, yeah, Dakota comes in and Steven Matz is back in the rotation, and there you go. You got Michaelis, Dakota, Matz, um, Wainwright, and Libby, I think would be what it would be. So you could do it. It, You wouldn't win a lot of games, but you're not winning a lot of games right now, so who cares? All right, (laughs) I think that's going to do it for me, guys. Uh, If I missed your comment, really apologize I tried to get to everybody that I could. Last of the 90s said, we've been drafting more positional talent than pitching recently. Could impact the roster. Yeah, good point. Good point. But then they've kind of redoubled back to, like, the Zach Thompsons and the McGreevys and the Graceffo. So they've done a little bit more the last couple years. We just haven't quite seen it play out yet. But as I was saying about the comments, I apologize if I missed them. There is a way for you to make sure your comment gets seen now. It's called Super Chat. It's brand new. Um, I don't know. Let me know. By the way, tweet me or, or DM me. I prefer Keep it private. I don't need to put this all on blast. At B Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Let me know if you saw an ad before joining the video tonight, if you did or not. I have no idea if any ads played. I'd like for there to be one like at the beginning. Um, dang it. I just inserted an ad. I didn't mean to do that. I'm going to publicly say because that was not what I meant to do. But I was just going to ask if like what the experience is like now that the channel is like, you know, monetized and stuff like that. Don't know what it'll look like. Um, the The regular podcast will have ads before them, I assume now moving forward. Um, I think you can still click through it. Don't worry about it. But just don't let that keep you from watching the stuff. It's Just click through it. I, I do it just like everybody else, you know, whatever. Uh, but just, you know, kind of one of those things. I, I know it's maybe a little bit of a like, uh, oh, it didn't have ads before. Now it does. Hopefully you're still willing to support it. I hope you like the content. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining tonight. Subscribe on the YouTube channel before you get out of here. And make sure you check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, too, if you just want to have a a, a regular audio experience. The podcast will be posted there as well. Sorry the Cardinals aren't doing better. It's a day game on Wednesday, and we'll try to get back to it on Wednesday night with either a podcast or a live stream, all things uh, considered. So thank you guys so much for joining me tonight, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shaved Daily Live. Peace.